Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. You know where you are. You should know what time it is. This is Tyler Chef, and I am the host of the Cashflow Guys Podcast, along with, I'm not going to forget to introduce them this week. Mike Marino, are you awake over there? The S in guys. Here the, I am, Mike Marino. <laughs> I can think of other words, but that's a whole that's a conversation <laughs> for another day. <laughs> I like to give you a hard time. So you, so for those of you that haven't been paying attention, Mike now lives out in Colorado. Although he's rarely there, he's always flying the friendly skies. But he's, he, you know, he told me. I remember when he was moving. He's like, "Dude, I'm moving to Colorado." I'm like. But it's warm here in Florida. Why would the hell would you go out there? No, it's going to be great. Well, guys, today, if you hear Mike go silent, it's because he's sick. He's got a cold. He's got the oh, sniffle. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's because I landed in New Jersey. I came back with a fever. Oh, that's why. Yeah, well, <laughs> that doesn't surprise me then if <laughs> New Jersey. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Well, we got a we got a good episode for you guys this week. We're going to talk about a topic. This and I'm going to give Mike 100 percent of the credit for this one. Um, I was busy working on some stuff for the fun, and, and Mike has uncovered some really interesting stuff for those of you that have 401ks. Now, we're going to talk a lot about in this episode the thrift savings plans, but this, which is a government program, if you're a government employee, but this doesn't necessarily only apply to thrift savings plans. There's a pretty darn good chance, probably an 80-90% chance this also applies to your 401k. If it, it, Regardless of whether you work for the government, doesn't necessarily matter. Um, and one of the things, what kind of spawned this is that one of the things that, that Mike, I know you're, you have a lot of friends that still work for NOAA. Mike and I, for those of you that don't know and are new to the show, we met with the National, we used to both work with the National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration, which is, everybody knows it as the Weather Service, although that's yeah. an arm of it, right? But um, I, we were on ships together, but separate out in Hawaii. He was docked behind me back there in steerage. We were in the premier spot. <laughs> <laughs> Who had the better food, right? <laughs> that's okay. I'm not, yeah, you, you got me there. I'll shut up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we both work for the National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration. I was fed rotting food on a regular basis on the middle of the ocean. Mike, on the other hand, had this wonderful woman, Mama Clem, oh. that uh, fed. I, I would probably be 500 pounds if I was on your ship, Mike. And we had some of those 500 pounders on our ship. <laughs> oh, that's right. You that. did. I forgot about Big Brucey. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. I mean, so, Mike, when we both worked for NOAA, NOAA went overboard. I remember having special meetings. They were always talking about you got to get involved in the thrift savings plan. You got to get involved in the thrift. This, you're just going to get rich and retire, and it'll be great, the thrift savings plan, which we did our, our – we didn't really – you and I didn't talk about investing back then. I think we were both trying to figure out how to get promoted. <laughs> yeah, we just saw each other in passing. I was probably too busy working to talk. <laughs> right. I don't know about you, but I drank the Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I dumped most of my, you know, as much as they would let me to into the thrift savings plan and then, you know, whatever it worked out in the end. But since then, it's amazing how we figure things out in the 11th hour. You and I have, well, you primarily have, cause you're still in contact with a lot of no core officers. You've learned some pretty cool tricks that you can put to play that I want to talk about those this week. Yeah. And, and like you said, it's not just TSP. It's actually for Probably eighty nine percent of all four hundred one ks. It depends if your company is paid for the for this option or not. But right. Uh, right now, especially, it's a huge opportunity. And I kind of want to give a disclaimer first. If you're listening 
and you're one of those who listen to your HR people like they're spreading the gospel, if you listen to the Charles Schwab's, your 401k, your mutual fund managers, your stockbrokers, like they are the word of God, then you want to turn this episode off. Because, this, you know, Tyler and I, we're always talking about alternative investments, but more That's importantly, right. how to think outside the box, how to think about how to better your life rather than better somebody else's life. And this whole topic came off because, um, I don't know if, Tyler, I don't think you've seen it, but I just started watching the Netflix series Madoff, you know, Bernie Madoff. Haven't yet. Do you need to? You need to. It, it kind of opened my eyes to... Oh, managing a fund, it might keep me awake at night, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of why I wanted to watch it. Right. But it was pretty interesting because I made it clear that Wall Street, all those little people walking around Wall Street when you see them on uh, CNBC, whatever, they're the middlemen. The middlemen are the ones who get all the money. Yes, you buy a stock, it eventually goes to the uh, the company. But before that money goes to actually the company, it goes through several middlemen in Wall Street. And those are the guys making all the money. And when I saw that, it made me realize like, geez, uh, you know, I've got a 401k in my airline. I don't trust those middlemen. And seeing that, exemplify that even more and you know unfortunately um we nobody very few people have pensions anymore unless you're a government employee or um there's probably just a handful left all of our retirement all of our life support when in retirement is in this 401k which in a lot of places it's mandatory to contribute to it and when you contribute to it it's these middlemen making the money so today i want to talk about in today's bear market, how to make money in your 401k when you when the prices of your stock are plummeting. Before you kick off, Mike, I want to add interject something there. And it's just something for the folks at home that are listening. Think of it this way. Mike, you talk about middlemen. You don't trust the middlemen. But is it fair to say that the reason you don't you, is it even possible to trust the middleman? Because I don't know, Mike, you ever met the middleman? Like a stockbroker or whatnot? No, I mean, the people that manage, the middleman that manages any 401k or thrift savings plan that you've ever been involved in, have you ever met any of those people that actually physically handle your money? No. Is it even possible for you to do that? I don't know the answer to that question, but I'm going to go ahead and live and say, probably not. Gosh, they're, behind, they're probably in some ivory tower in New York or somewhere. Perhaps taking a helicopter to work with a Mr. T starter kit and a fancy briefcase. <laughs> they probably dress a lot nicer than you do, if that's possible. I mean, it's because they can afford it, right? <laughs> Mike, right. by the way, is a very snappy dresser. That's not meant as an insult. It's just that they they can probably afford a lot more efficient or, or better quality tailor than even Mike can swing on a pilot's income. <laughs> And this, here's one of the things I want you guys to think about as we go through this episode, what I just said, the middleman, you don't know, you've never met, you're never going to meet, but we as Americans blindly trust them to invest our earnings to hopefully someday retire. retire. What do you think the likely outcome of that is? And I'm going to go so far as to say, I am 52 years old. I have never met anybody who has successfully been able to maintain retirement off of the stock market ever. 
Period. Yeah. I haven't either. So no. with that, well, let's jump in. Yeah, and, and just uh, to add on to that, when we say middlemen, we mean people who are have nothing to do with, hey, I, I bought some stock in Google, right? I didn't really, but they have nothing to do with Google. Right. All they have to do is move my money to Google's bank account. Right, the broker, so to speak. The, the broker. Right. And uh, like I said, watching Madoff, it made it very clear. It's like, wow, that world is very different from the world we live in, you know, the syndication world. Uh, you know, Tyler and I are not the middlemen. We are, believe me, we're doing a lot of the work of the actual company. Absolutely. And we are accountable. If we blow it, then there's liability there for us. I mean, we can't just run around and, you know, fly, jump, run a helicopter and fly ourselves to the next business meeting. We have accountability. And frankly, we can get put out of business a lot quicker just by something as simple as that. So there's a, to me, I, I don't understand the difference why they would be so it would be it's so i mean i realize this that the stock market is regulated and, and i'm not saying that it's not but i believe there's a much higher level of accountability to syndications like us than there is to the average stockbroker yeah yeah so anyway if you haven't seen made off of netflix i highly recommend it really opened my eyes but it goes into the topic of today's conversation how to grow your 401k in a bear market. Now, I'm not talking about doing options on the market or anything. I'm talking about how to take back control of at least some of your retirement. You know, those who have listened to Tyler for the past few years, hopefully you have a self-directed retirement fund, either a self-directed IRA, solo 401k. So you can invest in what you want, gold, silver, real estate, and really anything you want, pretty much. I think right. that's important. But if you don't, if you have a regular 401k, there is an option, especially now. All right. I'll start with this. So right now, the everyone's complaining interest rates are high. Stock market is on a bear. It's not always down, but it's leaning towards down if you look at the trends. Right. So what do we have as an option? The 401k loan. Oh, I can hear you now. Everyone's like, I don't want to take my money out right now and invest on my own because... My HR manager said it need to keep the money in there so it compounds. Well, Tyler, you know, easy math. What happens when a loss compounds? Well, it doesn't get any smaller. Let's put it that way. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So those who are afraid of taking the TSP loan and actually investing with, with their own brain on it, are you really missing out on anything? So right now, the interest rates, the uh, federal funds rates is high, right? Highest it's been in decades. That's what correct. does that mean? So most 401ks, when you take the loan out, it's about like two to three percentage points higher than the federal fund rate. So right now, if you were to take money, you have to pay yourself back with a higher interest. Let me now, stop you there. Mm -hmm. So I'm clear. If I go borrow, and I'm going to use easy math, let's say I have 100 grand sitting in my IRA my 401k, I should say. Uh, and I take that and I borrow that, that hundred K because I want to go do something with it better than what wall street's doing. Uh, let's say I want to open a really fancy lemonade stand. If they charge me 8% interest to borrow that money, what you're telling me is that that at the end, when I pay it all back, minus some administrative fees and whatnot, I'm sure I essentially wind up with $108,000 in my IRA or 401k, not a hundred. Is that correct? Because I'm actually receiving the benefit of a 
lion's share of that interest. You're paying yourself back. You're paying the interest to yourself. Exactly. That's um, exciting. I didn't know yeah. that. Now, now the limit is 50,000, but yeah, for easy math, exactly. So right now the contribution limits to your 401k is 22,500 or 66,000 combined with your company. So let's say, um, for example, I know a lot of airline pilots who are maxed out and maxed out, not because they're contributing, but because their company is contributing a percentage of their income, which actually hits the $66,000 limit. So a lot of my airline captains out there realize, well, I haven't put any money in. The company already maxed me out. Well, now, since the interest rates are so high, high interest rates that you can pay yourself back, you're technically over contributing to your 401k legally. I can now add more money via interest to my retirement plan. That's impressive. And there's no clawback or anything like that, at least that we're aware of, correct? No, no, because it's considered interest. It's considered a gain, not a contribution. So let me back up a second here, because one of the things that's coming to my head right now is, wait a minute, why would I even want to mess with my 401k or my IRA? Why not just sit at it like we had talked about a minute ago? And I, and I think we kind of glossed over it was, why not just leave it alone? If the stock market's a little sketch right now, maybe I roll it into something like a G, G fund or something like that and let it set. Can we revisit that again? Why don't I want to let it set or forget? And with that said, boys and, boys and girls at home, we are not financial advisors. Don't pretend to be financial advisors. What we are is, is having a logical discussion between us. You guys happen to be privy to that conversation as part of the podcast. So I don't want to hear any garbage about investment advice and blah, 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 blah. This is you're, you're eavesdropping, eavesdropping on a conversation between two like-minded individuals that happen to own a business together. Please proceed. Yeah, I want our, I want our listeners at least to understand it, look at their financial situation and see if right. it's an, a profitable option for them. But, so why, to answer that, to go back to the question, why wouldn't I want to just let my money ride? You know, a lot of people say, well, if I leave my money in the stock market, on the average, it gains about 10%. Over what period of time? Now, okay, let's say you leave it and you get your 10%. But what if those dips in the market where you lost tens of thousands of dollars? What if you cut that part out? Now your gain is a lot more than 10% average. That's true. Now, instead of taking a loss of, let's say you're taking a loss of 4% right now, 3%, which is actually pretty spot on. Instead of that, you take that $50,000 out and you're paying yourself back 8%. Well, Mike, that's, um, why am I putting my own money to make up for the loss? Right. There's another thing called Time Value of Money. And I just read a book that reminded me of this. $50,000 in your pocket today is worth a hell of a lot more than $50,000 in 25 years from now. That's especially, true. Especially with the, uh, you know, the cost of inflation. Number two is opportunity. Now you've got cash in your pocket to take advantage of opportunities. Now, whether you just take the money out and pay it back with your 8%, your, your retirement money is still going up. So instead of taking that 3% loss, you're taking an 8% great gain great. Well, what if you take that money and you're smart, you listen to Tyler for the past seven years, and you know what to do with that money, whether you buy real estates, uh, you get into a syndication, so you get passive investments, you can do anything you want with it. 
And if you gain above an 8%, which, you know, in the syndication world, from what we've seen, that's fairly easy with a good operator. Now you collect the spread. So you're paying your retirement 8%, and now the difference goes into your pocket. Opportunity you wouldn't have had before. So if I took money out of my 401k and I'm incurring 8% hit, and let's use that same math again, $100,000. So we're talking about $8,000 interest. That $8,000 interest that I'm paying, the majority of that's rolling back to my 401k for my future benefit anyway. That's right. And let's say that somebody wants to invest in assisted living facilities like what, what you and I are doing with cash flow capital. In that case, we're talking about a, a uh, 6%, or I'm sorry, 16%. Better be more than six. Better not be six percent, or I'm in trouble. But a sixteen percent cash on cash return uh, on our money. So I have the. I'm going to call it with air quotes. Those of you watching on YouTube that can actually see this video, uh, air quotes would be the expense of that eight percent interest, even though I'm still getting it in the on the back end. If I'm earning sixteen percent from my money working in the in the investment fund. I'm really making, if you think about it, Mike, I'm making that 16% plus the other eight. That's 24%. Well, uh, well, the 16, half of that will go to your retirement and the other half would go to your pocket now, basically. No, I guess you're right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But still, that's pretty healthy. Yeah. So for those without a self-directed retirement account, this is an opportunity to kind of pseudo make it self-directed. <laughs> so here I have another question that's coming to mind and, and keep in mind the folks listening to the show, it's been a long time since I've been involved with a thrift savings plan or anything like that. I have a 401k, a Roth 401k, but I'm not invested in stocks at all. I have a couple thousand dollars in stocks, big deal. Because I believe the game is rigged and to me it seems foolish to invest in the stock market considering I have no idea who controls my money or what they do with it and I have no recourse if they blow it. There's my 10 seconds speech. What happens if the money's out working? So in other words, if I invest, like with the TSP, you can invest in funds, uh, mutual funds. That money's allocated to a mutual fund. How do I borrow against it if it's already allocated? Do I have to move the money into my back into my account as cash or what does that look like? So with a 401k, when you take the loan out, it actually sells some shares to get that 50,000 out. I see. Okay. Yeah. All right. I didn't know that. It's it's the whole voodoo magic of wall street, which <laughs> is another reason why I can't stand it, you know, <laughs> because they literally selling shares right. of this mutual fund in order to give you your money back, which is, Okay, yeah. I'm what, thinking a shell game. It is. That's right. That's right. Kind of like God. banking. That's wow. <laughs> so it's a huge opportunity right now. And like we mentioned, $50,000, which happens to be the minimum for a lot of real estate syndications out there. So those of you who are out there, like, oh, I can't find any cash flowing assets. Well, you do have $50,000 with this. Grow your retirement. You can use it as a down payment if you right. when you do find something. So you have that uh, opportunistic money. Or this is also the minimum for a lot of syndications, not just us too. So you can get the money working, uh, you know, pretty quickly. Now I know a lot of you are probably sitting there listening to this, going, "Well, that's all fine and dandy." But if I knew what to invest in as far as real estate, I would have already done it. 
the nice thing about the stock market is it's air quotes easy. Uh, I don't have to think about it. Some total stranger is out playing with my retirement. I don't have to think about it. And if I win, I win. And over the long term, I can't lose because, you know, Jim Cramer told me the other day on CNN that as long as I stay in, everything will be great. Right. Well, I got news for you. When you get ready to retire and you find out that old Uncle Jim is incorrect, I don't think he's going to be around to take your calls. No. <laughs> Here's one thing I do know. I'm a believer that I, if I can control the outcome and I do my due diligence and pick the right people to work with me, I'm going to usually wind up with much better results than if I trust a blind stranger um, to make something happen. I know some of you are thinking right now, well, that's great. I pull out this 50 grand. Then what the hell do I do with it? Right. I mean, I don't, that's not enough money for me to go buy a house and flip it or buy a rental property. I mean, what can you do with 50 K? Yes, you can involve, get involved in a syndicate. But again, that's also an aversion of the stock market, Mike. And then my just plain devil's advocate, they don't, they don't know what you and I either. I mean, we could be complete. At least you can pick up the phone and talk to us. That's a big benefit there. Uh, number two, they can fly to Tarpon. They can fly to Tampa, Florida, catch an Uber, come to Tarpon Springs and walk our assets. You can meet our contractors. You can meet our attorneys. You can go down to city hall. You can go have a baklava at the, at the sponge docks. If that tickles your fancy and a late night espresso, as I did last night, um, these are tangible assets, right? That's what you're the difference when you're investing with a syndicate under most circumstances, you're investing in tangible assets, things that you can touch. Obviously notes are not tangible assets, but they are collateralized with real property, tangible assets there. So that's just something to keep in mind. Along with that, if you listen to the episode where I had uh, Matt Sorensen on, we gave, we talked about several examples of things that are maybe not even traditional, call them fringe, whatever you will, that you can invest your money in. For example, Mike, uh, another strategy, another way that your van deal that we talked about at last episode could be done is instead of you going out and buying that van, someone, someone with an IRA could fund that purchase. What does that look like? Well, it looks just like a normal car loan. Mm. You know, a little side story here that got just gets me thinking. I said this on the past episode about the jet ski guy. I knew a guy that used to do jet skis. He was a jet ski repair guy. That's what he did. And he would borrow money from an IRA. And it wasn't a lot of money. It was like five grand, 10 grand, whatever, which is normally the money. Correct me if I'm wrong, Mike. How many, how many times have you had five or 10 grand sitting in one of your IRAs and you're like, gosh, shit, what am I going to do with this money? Oh my gosh, all the time. Right, nonstop. <laughs> um, you can now mobilize that money and put it to work. And I think that's important. That's Thoughts right. on that? Yeah, and we kind of talked about it offline before. Another advantage of this is it's actually tax-free money. Oh yes, that's important. And why is it tax-free money? Because everyone's wondering, what do you mean tax-free? Nothing's tax-free. Yeah. This is. Because it's a loan. That's right. It's, you're not, it's not, not W-2 income or anything. It's a loan to yourself. Just like if you were to go out and you know, get a loan from a bank, they're not going to do, hey, I took a loan out for $1,000. Oh, minus your taxes. No, they don't do that. That's correct. Uh, and another thing is too, you know, it depends on your company, like my company, all my 401k money is company contributions. So they always talk about use other people's money. I'm actually using 
my airline's money because <laughs> I didn't put that money in there. Right. That's powerful. Now, a lot of folks don't have that benefit. A lot of people have what they call company matching, which, you know, you put in a hundred grand, you'll get four bucks from your, from your employer. The airlines are a little more generous in that regard. That's how they keep pilots flying and keep them out of real estate, right? Is <laughs> <laughs> to keep that going. Because there's always something out there to invest in. Think about all the small businesses across America that open every day. Every one of those small businesses need capital. A lot of times that capital is being used to acquire assets, They whether they need a printing press to make T-shirts or uh, restaurant equipment to fill an empty restaurant. These things are, are assets that can be leaned or, or these are tangible items, I should say, that are that can you can put a lien against them. There's a thing called a UCC filing. You should do a little bit of Google search on UCC lien filing. You'd be surprised what you can put a lien on. Short story, uh, Mike, I think I told you this story last Friday. I don't like my Jeep. I haven't liked my Jeep for a long time. I bought this Jeep in 2017, brand new, for 40 grand. Well, used car Armageddon has kicked off. And people are willing to pay whatever it takes to get themselves a used vehicle. Who'd have thunk? So I decided that I was tired of making, uh, keeping this Jeep that is uncomfortable for me, even though it's essentially paid off. I only owe like six grand on it. I decided to get rid of it. Now I could have gone and put it on Craigslist and dealt with it myself, but I don't have time for that. That's just too much hassle. Um, with that, I decided to take it up to a local dealership that I know uh, in Tarpon, near Tarpon Springs because they have the ability to sell that vehicle and finance it. Now, I yes, Tyler has the ability. I just choose not to do that. I don't want to finance it for someone because they get drunk, get in a car accident. There's no insurance. I, I just, I don't want the drama. Mm -hmm. So I went to them and they said, hey, you know, we'll give you $35,000 for this Jeep which means that I've owned this Jeep since 2017. And it's cost me a total of five grand. You might be, what about interest, Tyler? Well, my interest rate was 1.75% on the car loan. I have good credit. I got a really low interest car loan. But there's a perfect example of they're probably going to sell that Jeep for 10 grand more. They're probably going to sell it for more than I originally paid for it because they can finance it. So think about how much of value you're bringing to the equation. If you are somebody that has, I'll call it lazy money, sitting around doing nothing, you can fund a purchase. Tractor trailers come to mind. There are people that want to buy a tractor trailer to start a business, or maybe a guy wants to start a lawn company. If you're out by Mike, you probably want to think about a snowplow because you're going to spend a lot of time dealing with snow. Well, I don't know the last time you guys looked up the cost of a, of a Ford pickup truck to push snow with, but brother, it ain't cheap. I just went truck shopping. Um, I looked at new trucks. I opted for a used truck that I could pay cash for because I'm a believer in the Dave Ramsey way of doing things. I didn't want truck payments. Uh, so for me, I paid cash and bought a, a older vehicle, paid cash for it. Now I have no payments. Also less requirement, less insurance. But these folks need a business. They want to start a business. You could either fund the down payment for said snowplow or the whole thing. You put a lien against it, you charge interest and off you go. Lots of different ways you can structure this. Thoughts oh, yeah. on that? I mean, Tyler, I'm, I'm sure there's dozens of times in your real estate career where you knew somebody and they were so close to a down payment on a house. Yes. It just needed just a little bit more just to get right over the edge so they get the down payment. 
I have one right now. Here's a great example. I'm glad you jogged my memory. I just took a listing up here in Hudson, Florida, just north of me. And the house needs a roof and it needs an air conditioner. Well, the roof's going to be about 11 grand, according to my roofer. And it needs an air conditioning system, which is about to be about eight grand for the size. So it needs, let's call it 19, let's call it 20 grand worth of work. So the buyer, if they're creative, could buy the property, borrow the money from an IRA or two IRAs maybe to facilitate the repairs getting done. By doing so, now they can find more attractive loan structures because maybe the seller would entertain selling it to them on seller financing terms Mm-hmm. To, to get it closed, get the repairs done, and then refinance it with a FHA mortgage, which means instead of the check for that refinance going to the seller, as it, well, a portion of it goes to the seller, but who knows? It may appraise for more money the second time around. Um, and there's another way to make more money. So there's lots of ways to pull this off, guys, but you got to take action and do something about it. Yeah, no, like you said, it's exciting. The other thing about the the uh, 401k loan, right? So let Tyler, let's say you're in a pinch, you need $40,000 now or else your deal is going to fall through. Right. All right, well, I'll, let me loan it to you for 10%. Sure. I don't care if you pay me back early, because if you pay me back early, I'm going to pay my my own 401k loan back early, and then the interest stops. So it doesn't hurt me to pay it back early. Think of it like transaction funding. That's right. You know, you can make a hell of a lot of healthy return on transaction funding. And guys, your money's only out for a couple of days with transaction funding. Uh, I know Frank Cotto at Lincoln Lending. He handles that sometimes. They call it also called a bridge loan. If you have money that you want to get working, call somebody, a local mortgage broker um, that is investor friendly. Somebody like Lincoln Lending here in in Tampa. Um, He will take you on as an investor. You don't have to be accredited, by the way, because what you're doing is receiving a note and a mortgage back and it's collateralized. So it doesn't have to be run through a syndicate. You don't have to be accredited, none of that stuff. Um, you can be a transaction funder. That's like another service that uh, wholesalers sometimes use to get deals funded where they can double close them. They can do an A to B to B to C. I'm not a huge fan of, of the A to B to B to C closing. I think it's dishonest that's just my opinion but um you can still be the bank and here's the thing you put 50 100 grand into a deal even on a couple days it's not uncommon to charge five ten grand for that uh, for a few days and if you look at what is the interest rate on that (laughs) annualized it's massive i mean it's huge but in the end if it's the difference between getting a deal done and not getting a deal done uh great if someone wanted to front us the money to do the, the rehab on one of these uh, assisted living properties and they were going to charge me five grand to do it. Well, that would make more sense to me than going out and getting a rehab loan if I wasn't going to already pay cash because the closing cost alone on a rehab loan could easily add up to that cost. That's a good point. Now they got $5,000 in their, in their pocket. That's right. And then I'm, we're paying the interest, which covers them and their interest goes to themselves. Anyway, it's like, that's a win-win. Right. And the clock doesn't tick. You set that off a year or two in a, down the road or six months or whatever, however it works out. If, if, if it's your money, you can dictate how that plays out. Hey, I want to do it. I want my money back in 30 days. Great. I want my money back next Friday. That can be worked out. How you guys put this together really is up to you. What makes most sense for you and the person that you're going to use to put the money to work. And before you, I know some of you are sitting right now listening, well, I got a hundred excuses of why this won't work. 
Stop thinking about why it won't work and start thinking about how it will work because you can always pick up the phone and call somebody like Sean, our friend, Sean Yesner, uh, Yesner Law, Y-E-S-N-E-R-L-A-W, YesnerLaw.com. If it's in the state of Florida, you call Sean and say, Sean, here's what I want to do. What do you think? He'll say, either I love it, I hate it, or here are my suggestions. You follow Sean's suggestions because we do. He's a smart guy. That's why we have him on our team. He'll help you with the paperwork. The cost of the doing the paperwork is negligible compared to how much you tend to make as a return. And here's the thing, kids, you know, boys and girls, you can just add whatever Sean charges you to the fee. If you want to make $5,000 and Sean charges you, I don't know, two grand to do paperwork, I doubt it would be that much. But let's say he did. Well, good. Now you, you had 7000 would be the fee when it's all said and done. So just a couple tips. Yeah, yeah. And I'll just add this. Those with self-directed retirement accounts, uh, check with your uh, account custodian because some programs allow you to do the same loan with your self-directed. How would that benefit you? Well, now you don't have to deal with the paperwork of the custodian. You get your cash in 48 hours and now you can make it move. That's right. That's right. Again, you got to talk to your custodian to see if that's an option with them also. That's exactly right. So guys, I hope you found value in this episode. I hope you learned from it. I could go on on this topic and ways to make money with a small amount of money for days and days on end. But I got to be honest, I'm ending this episode for an all brand new, a whole brand new reason. I'm in Tarpon Springs today. I'm checking on the Division Street property and doing some things with the fund and our team members. And one of my apartments down the road, I have an apartment building down the road, happened to be vacant today. It's a rare opportunity for it to be vacant. I used... I'm sitting in the kitchen of one of my apartments using it as a recording studio and I'm 30 minutes from check-in and I can see my wife pacing back oh. and forth in the courtyard right now going, <laughs> the, the maid's going to be here for our final check. The runners are on their way. You need to wrap up that podcast and get the hell out of my kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll leave it right there. Uh, guys, 2023 can be an amazing year. I've been saying that now for seven years and every year keeps getting better for us. Anyway, the same can apply to you, Mike. As we always talk about, the only way you're going to get to the next level, the only way you're going to change the situation you're in and make it better is to get off the couch and take some massive action. And that begins this week. Guys, have a great one, and we will catch up with you next week. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.